This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Squeeze Kids! It's your daily news fix. Fun, free, fresh. Hey there, it's Bryce Corbett here, host of Squiz Kids, welcoming you to the third instalment of our Easter holiday series, Behind the Scenes at Squiz Kids. And we've saved the best for last, because today we've fired up the Squiz Kids super fast supersonic jetliner, we found our passports in a dusty box that hasn't been opened for about two years, <laughs> and we're heading on an audio excursion to Ukraine. Which, let's face it, is sadly going to be a lot safer than heading there in real life. Our tour director is Amanda Bauer, the head of Squiz Kids for Schools. Amanda, in this podcast, we're getting a sneak peek of the third pillar of the Squiz Kids for Schools offering. Tell me more. Well, Bryce, Squiz the World is basically a weekly podcast series that I started because kids, parents and teachers were all asking for it. Whenever you visited a new country in Spin the Globe on the Squiz Kids podcast, kids were asking extra questions about those countries. You know, what language do they speak there? What food do they eat? What's it like to go to school there? Squiz the World is a 10-minute excursion to every country in the world answering those questions and more. Whoa, okay, but there are 195 countries in the world. How do you choose which ones to visit? Well, we're going to do them all, and the order is sort of decided in some cases by the news. So Mm. we started with Tonga because of the undersea volcano that exploded there. Obviously, pretty soon after that, we had to go to Ukraine when it looked like Russia was going to invade. Mm -hmm. And recently, we went to the Solomon Islands because of the tension around their relationship with China. Mm -hmm. Now, it's important to say that in these podcasts, we aren't focused focusing on that news, the goal of Squiz the World is to give kids context about countries that turn up in the news. So to understand that Ukraine is a a whole lot more than just a war, that Tonga is about more than just a natural disaster. Yeah, exactly. And of course, you have kids from those countries featured in the podcasts. That's right. So those Squiz kids teach us how to speak their language and often their parents help me a little bit with my research too. (laughs) So if you have a kid at home or in your classroom who speaks English as a second language, we'd love to feature them in their first language on the podcast. I'm always (laughs) recruiting, Bryce. (laughs) You sure are. My favourite bit, unsurprisingly, are the recipes that you feature each week from that country. Tell me a little bit about those. Well, as you know, Bryce, one of the best things about visiting any country is sampling the local cuisine. So Mm. I've put a fair bit of effort into researching typical dishes from each country and including recipes for those dishes in the episode podcast that are, you know, not super hard to do at home here in Australia. Genius and delicious. And tell me, what are teachers doing with these podcasts in their classrooms? Well, I've been really blown away by the creativity. You know, we all know that teachers don't have a lot of time. And so different teachers have different options when it comes to what to do with Squiz the World. Some of them just play each week's podcast to the whole class on the day Mm -hmm. it comes out and they do the associated activities. Others are assigning it for homework. It's great listening and and response homework. Some teachers are waiting until they study that country in class and they use the podcast as a launching point for the unit. Um, Mm -hmm. One teacher has even created a class atlas and a listening station in her classroom Mm. if a student finishes other work early then they can walk over there listen to a podcast color in the country on the world map and Ah, record their thoughts for their peers to read yeah awesome 
And then home educators, you know, we have a lot of homeschooling subscribers. They're cooking the recipes with their kids. They're using the extra links to then dive even deeper into the country. Um, And, of course, Squiz the World isn't just available to subscribers to Squiz Kids for Schools. Parents can sign up to get it on Apple Podcasts as a subscriber special. And, of course, at the risk of this sounding completely like an infomercial, there are free trials for both with links in your episode notes to this podcast. And because we like to give here at Squiz Kids, we're offering up a sample Squiz the World episode right now. Amanda, my tray table is secure. My seat back is upright. Let's take a squiz at Ukraine. Let's do it, Bryce. This is a Squiz Kids podcast. Your fresh take on what's happening in the world around you. Each week, we give the world globe a spin and see where we land. Then we take the kids of Australia on an audio excursion to visit that country and its people. I'm Amanda Bauer, and today on Squiz the World, we're visiting the Eastern European nation of Ukraine, which has been in the news a lot lately because of concerns that its neighbour to the north, Russia, is getting ready to invade. But there's so much more to know about Ukraine, including why kids bring their teachers flowers, how a nuclear disaster has become a tourist attraction, and why the capital seems to have changed its name. So strap yourselves into the Squiz Kids Superfast Supersonic Jetliner as we take off and take a squiz at Ukraine. Just the facts. The word Ukrainia means, in most of the languages in the area, borderland, which helps to give you a really good idea of one big difference between Ukraine and Australia. We are surrounded by water. Ukraine is surrounded by, wait for it, Russia to the east and northeast, and then going anti-clockwise, Belarus, Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, Moldova, and finally, we get to the coastline of the Black Sea. So, they do get some water. One downside of having so many neighbours is that you're a bit of a target for invasion. For most of the last century, Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, which was a big group of countries essentially controlled by Russia. But throughout history, parts of Ukraine have also been occupied by Poland, Austria, the Czech Republic and Romania. Ukraine has a population of 44 million people, so it's the second largest country in Europe by size and the eighth largest by population. Unfortunately, it's also one of the poorest. On average, a person in Ukraine earns about $740 a month. In Australia, the average full-time worker earns more than twice that much in a week. Still, there's a lot of beauty in Ukraine. It's famous for its hilltop castles, its beaches and ski fields, and its seven World Heritage Sites, including St Sophia's Cathedral, a massive church with golden onion-shaped domes that's almost 1,000 years old. That is located in the capital, Kyiv. Now, this is the time when your parents or teachers might say, hang on, that's not the name of the capital, it's Kiev. Well, yes and no, Kiev, K-I-E-V, is the Russian way of saying the name of this ancient city. The Ukrainian way is Kiev. I've put a video about how to pronounce it in your episode notes. 
Whenever you travel, it's not just important to say the names of places correctly, it's important to learn a few words in that country's language too. It's a great way to show respect. So let's... Learn the lingo. In Ukraine, the official language is Ukrainian. And how about this? There are 38,000 people with Ukrainian heritage living in Australia. We're thrilled that Maria from the Ukrainian Central School in Sydney is here to teach us how to say hello. Привет. Go on, you give it a try. Привет. People are always really grateful when you just try to speak their language. They may even thank you for it. Hey, Maria, how do we say thank you? Дякую. And дякую to you too, Maria. Now that we can communicate a little bit, it's... Time for school. During the 72 years that Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, school kids in Ukraine had to speak and learn in Russian. Now everyone learns in Ukrainian, but the country has held on to a really lovely school tradition from the Soviet era. Every year, school starts on September the 1st, which is called Knowledge Day. And on that first day, kids bring their teachers flowers. Now that's a custom I can get behind. I'm guessing your teachers agree with me. Another first day of school tradition is called the ringing of the first bell. A tiny year one is lifted up on the shoulders of one of the oldest students and rings a handheld bell to start the school day. And guess what? The kids that you start school with in year one, you stay in their class until the end of primary school. So you make really strong friendships. Just like we learn about Australian history at school, kids in Ukraine learn all about the important events that have shaped their country. Of course, we don't have 12 school years to teach you all Ukrainian history, so here's the one thing that we think is the most interesting and important. Let's get in our time machine for... Time travel. It's April 26, 1986. Ukraine is still part of the Soviet Union, and we've landed in a place called Pripyat, about 100 kilometres from Kyiv. In just a few days, the whole world's attention will turn to this place because the world's worst nuclear disaster is about to happen at a power plant called Chernobyl. At least two explosions followed by a fire were caused at Chernobyl by faulty machinery and human error. The accident released into the atmosphere more radioactive particles than the two atomic bombs that were dropped on Japan at the end of World War II. Being exposed to radioactive material is not good. It can cause all sorts of very serious health complications, and in really extreme and happily very uncommon cases, it can lead to death. The Soviet government started to evacuate everyone who lived nearby, but they also tried to cover up the whole thing. But other European countries were monitoring radioactivity in the air and quickly noticed something was very wrong. Eventually, the power plant was enclosed in a huge concrete and steel structure that stopped the radioactivity escaping, but the financial cost of the disaster was over $20 billion. The human cost we'll never know exactly, but many people did get sick and some even died. Pripyat is now a ghost town, and villages that were even closer to Chernobyl have actually been buried underground. 
But when tourists visit, machines called Geiger counters that measure radioactivity show that it's 1,000 times higher than normal more than 35 years later. Uh, wait a second. Did I say tourists? Why would tourists go to a place where something awful happened? It's a phenomenon called dark tourism. People visit tragic places like Alcatraz Prison in San Francisco or Pearl Harbor in Hawaii or Pompeii in Italy. If you go to Ukraine, you can add the Chernobyl nuclear power plant to that list. I've popped a link in your episode notes to a video about the tour, which starts with participants signing agreement that they won't hold the organisers responsible if they get sick and ends with them being scanned for radiation exposure. Yikes. I think I'll stick to the video, thanks. Phew, I've learned a ton about Ukraine and now I'm starving. I think it might be... Dinner time. Ukraine has one of the most popular restaurants in all of Europe and it gives diners a sense of how important independence is to locals. It's located underground in the hiding place of the secret army that fought against Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union in World War II. If you give the password, Viva Ukraina, you are allowed in. You can shoot a pellet gun at a photo of an old Soviet leader. You're served food by people in uniform. And it's highly recommended that you order variniki, which are Ukrainian dumplings. The savoury potato version is traditionally eaten with sour cream, butter and fried onions. Yum. And sweet versions can be found with cherry and other local fruits inside. I've popped recipes in your episode notes, and as an expert on all things made with cherries, I'd be very happy to test anything you make. Feel free to get in touch. Time for the quiz. This is the part of the podcast where you get to test how well you've been listening. Question number one. What does Ukraina mean in the local language? That's right, it's borderland. Question number two. What happens on September 1 in Ukraine? It's the first day of school. You bring your teacher flowers and there's the ringing of the first bell. Question number three. What kind of tourism are you doing if you visit Chernobyl? Yeah, that's right. It's dark tourism. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for staying curious about the world and joining me on this incredible trip to Ukraine. Now, get out there and have a most excellent day. Over and out.